Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today, I have with me Lisa Clements, who is the Director of Human Resources at TAPI. Welcome, Lisa. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on. Um, So before we jump into the conversation, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Yes. Well, I'm super excited to be here and talk with you today. My name is Lisa Clements, Director of Human Resources at TAPI. We're located in the metro Atlanta area. We're a nonprofit, small nonprofit, right under 50 people, and we serve people in the pulp and paper industry around the world with conferences, publications, trade shows, you name it, we're a membership association. Um, I've been with them since 2015. I've been in this director role since 2018. Before this, I spent some time in the hospitality world and food and bev, and that's really what guided me into HR, joined the corporate HR world and realized this is where I want to be. This is I want to help people. I want to change the stigma of HR, the workplace, and really just make it a good place for every employee that I interact with. Yeah, and I know that one thing that about you right now is that um, you're kind of in an all hands on deck situation because you are in a smaller, um, you know, company size. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I am a solo HR professional, um, which has its ups and downs. Uh, I've had to learn a lot of prioritization. I guess you can say I've been the first HR professional in this company in quite some time. So a lot of my time at the beginning was building and Mm -hmm. kind of creating this role in this department and how it fit into the organization. So I've had to really lean on my other outlets, you know, third party payroll and an insurance broker. Um, I'm thankful to have a little bit of administrative support because I I know that that's not my strength, right? So I Mm -hmm. lean on her a lot. Uh, But yeah, you really have to learn how to prioritize and understand what, how the company works and how you fit in and how you can, can support your employees when you're solo. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about how resources really help you do your job. And how do you discover those resources? Yeah, my resources are so important. I've really learned how to where to lean into what I need help with. My legal team supports me great. I have an amazing insurance broker here in Atlanta. And it's understanding what parts of the job are important for me to handle and what I can delegate out and mm-hmm. the things I need to keep internally and in-house and focus my time on and maybe the things that I can pass on to somebody else and trust them to handle that process. Yeah, so I can imagine there's a lot of professional development that goes into really, really, you know, growing your knowledge and making your role more efficient. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's a learning process. It's always is. That's one part of HR that I love is that it is always changing. Mm-hmm. I'm a lifelong learner. So I am constantly growing my professional development, personal development, and hopefully sharing that with my leadership and my staff as well. Uh, but yeah, you have to figure out what fits with your team and that may change tomorrow. And you just have to keep on top of that and understand how you can keep the company flowing. Yeah. So do you have an example of learning, whether that is in your professional life or personal life that you're really proud of, either that you're currently in the middle of or that you recently, you know, learned? So a a passion project of mine 
both professionally and personally, and I think this is why I love it so much, is the diversity function in the diversity space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get to spend a lot of my time professionally on that. And being yeah. in Atlanta, it's so great to focus on the diversity that's in the city. And then personally, I have such a passion for it. So when I think about Atlanta, I do think about how it's such a diverse place. So can you describe, you know, how how it's, you know, kind of easy to to learn just by interacting with other people and just the landscape where you live? Absolutely. It really is such a diverse place. I think when people think of diversity and people from all walks of life, they might think of New York City or the big cities, LA, Chicago. But Atlanta's really coming into our own. We're growing. Our film industry is booming here. Hospitality has always been great here. And these huge corporations are coming in and bringing thousands of jobs, which is great because our talent here is amazing. But the diversity and the energy of the city It's so wonderful to be, you know, we're in Metro Atlanta, so maybe we're 20 minutes out of Midtown, but it's so great to have that in a corporate setting. I have a wonderful network of peers in the DEI people, HR landscape, and for such a big city, it's a very, you know, we all know each other and it's great to have those connections. And then we can say, hey, do you want to grab a cup of coffee? Are we constantly running into each other at conferences and events? So it's great to have that to play off each other to say, What's working with your group? What can we do better? You know, what what's your total rewards package looking like? And how can I improve mine? And to have that communication with each other is amazing. Yeah. And so, you know, when we think of diversity in DE and I, we often immediately think of race and ethnicity. But one thing that you want people to recognize is that there's so much more. There are so many facets and you have to really, really dig deep to really understand. Absolutely. And and even when I first started out, too, that's what I thought. I thought this is about racial equality. And it is so much more than that. And, and I think that if anyone is starting their DEI education, whether it's personally or in the corporate world, you need to really understand that and dig deep into each category. You know, it's not just about race and culture. It's about gender, sexual orientation, uh, military status, disability, age, and really from a corporate standpoint, figuring out how you can make your workplace inclusive for all of those people Um, from the top down. You know, if you have a diversity statement on your website, make sure that your company is diverse, your leadership team is diverse and filled with women and multiple age groups and different backgrounds. And and you really have to learn how to, if you're going to talk to talk, you kind of have to walk the walk in that sense. So yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I know the company that you work with uh, is a paper and pulp is in the paper of pulp industry, which has a lot of deskless workers, which, you know, there's even diversity in that, um, you know, between the leaders who are at a desk at a computer, and then the people who are, you know, doing man- more manual work. Absolutely. Yeah, we're working with at the top with the scientists and the engineers that are you know, working with the nanocellulose and in the labs. And then we're working with the unionized mill workers working in a small paper mill in a small town in Alabama. So the the range of our employees that we support through our our membership association is huge. And you really have to understand what a mill worker needs and what a VP needs are completely different. And how do we support both those parties? 
Yeah, so I can imagine um, there's a lot of understanding, <laughs> a lot of trying to see things from the other side, um, you know, especially with technology and all the ways that we can use it. Um, you know, with phones or computers, we're always accessible, but someone who's doing more of that work that you need focus and your eyes on, they're not able to access their phone or email right away. So how do you um, kind of find a balance for communication? Yeah, you have to really figure out your staff and what, mm. and that's with everything, you know, even outside of communication, but what, what fits with them? Do you, you know, maybe phone communication for this employee is great and email communication, but then there are employees that you need to be face to face with and have more of a hands-on role with them. Um, and you have to be able to switch between those two pretty well. And I think that's uh, what people and HR professionals are really good at is, knowing how to work with each different group of staff mm -hmm. that they have um, and understanding what everybody needs and, and delivering on it. Yeah. And I know one thing that you really are passionate about is humanizing the workplace and leading with empathy. And you can't do that without getting to know the people that you are working with. So how do you, as a people leader, get to know, um, you know the people that you engage with? Yeah. Empathetic leadership is such an important, if someone were to ask me the two most important leadership qualities, empathy would be one and emotional intelligence would be the second. Um, and, and you really have to lead like that. And I think the more successful leaders are, do have both those qualities and know how to grow them and grow them in their people as well. You're leading by example, but I'm in a great situation that I'm in a smaller organization and I have the privilege to really hone in on each one of my employees, know them well, understand why they come to work every day, what their purpose is, how they like to be recognized, you know, even details about their family if they choose to share those with me. And I have the privilege to really know them on a individual basis. And that can be tough in a bigger organization, but it's totally, you can still do it. Um, it just takes work and it takes effort on the leadership part to really understand your employees and why they show up every day and yeah. their purpose and why they're there. Absolutely. You said something that really, really struck me is how they want to be recognized. <laughs> that is so important because, you know, I remember when, when I was a leader, like um, I would offer, you know, the people that I was working with opportunities that I may have wanted but they're not me. So those opportunities gave them a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> so um, can you tell me a little bit about why it's important to, to really understand how people want to be recognized? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just like how they communicate. Recognition is just as important because you may, like you said, you may love to be recognized on a company level, mm -hmm. you know, put on the spot and saying, congratulations, you did great. But not everybody likes that. An introvert on your team may not like that. And to them, it may be more memorable and mean more to them if you pull them into your office and say, hey, you did amazing on that project. And I really appreciate the work you did. Mm -hmm. That may mean more to them than this big presentation in front of the entire company. Mm -hmm. um, so, and as leaders get to know their employees, hopefully they they learn those things about them, about their communication style and how they'd like to be recognized. 
And that's really what employees care about is when their leader, when they feel like their leader sees them as yeah. a person. Yeah. Is that a question that you ask? How do you want to be recognized? Or is that something that you, you kind of feel it out? Absolutely. I mean, yes, absolutely. If I can't get a, a grasp on how they like to be recognized and a feel for it, I will definitely ask them, do you like to be recognized in public or do you prefer, you know, notes, emails? How do you like to be recognized? What motivates you? That's another question that we ask a lot. You know, how do you work? How do you work most productively? All those things really, you really get to know your employees while asking those questions and they'll really appreciate you asking those questions. And that just feeds that humanizing the workplace and understanding there's a person behind an email, behind your desk, behind the title. We're all human. We're all in the same workplace. So. Yeah. And, you know, you, you said that breaking the stigma is something that's really, really important to you. And that stigma of being the fun police, because (laughs) how often do we hear, Oh, I got to see HR or (laughs) like it's, it's become a joke. Like, (laughs) <laughs> you go into HR. So tell yeah. me a little bit about how you're pushing back. Absolutely. And, and it's a, it's a cultural thing, you know, yeah. it was like the office and all these other shows, they create the stigma oh, and it just keeps growing. Right. 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 Exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in my career. The fun <laughs> police or rule followers, or, you know, if HR's in the meeting, it's a bad meeting. It can never yeah. be a good meeting if HR's there. And I think HR and people professionals, we have such a privilege that we can flip that narrative. Mm. Um, And it's up to us to really work to that, to say, you know, people have the stigma that we just care about the corporation. And I am here to make sure that the corporation stays compliant and safe and that they're doing the right thing. But that also means that I have to advocate for the employees and make sure they're happy and growing in their role so that we can all move forward together. So I, I think there's a, you know, there's that stigma, yeah, that we just work for the for the leadership and we're not here for the staff, but we're here for everybody, right? Human resources. We're here for the humans of the company. We can work with every level of staff and we're here to break down that barrier between leadership and employee so that we can all move forward. Yeah. And do you feel... Um like this change and pushing back on the stigma is because people feel a little bit more empowered to kind of challenge leaders that are a little bit more by the book. Yes, absolutely. I think, I think the pandemic had a, helped us all kind of open our eyes to what the workplace is, right? Yeah. We want uh, more inclusive workplaces we want to figure out what that work-life balance is, if that exists. You know, we I think years prior, we were all kind of living for work. And now it's like yeah. work is just a little piece of our lives, right? And so employees are coming in. And I'm noticing this as new generations come into the workplace. The needs are different. The wants are different. And they, they know exactly what they want. And they will tell us. Yeah. And we have to mold ourselves to them because if it weren't for our employees, we wouldn't be here. Um, So that's really what I tell my leadership. You know, we have to adapt and we have to stay relevant to our workers and understand what they want and why they keep coming to work for us. Yeah. And I feel like it's not hard to understand the core wants and needs of workers. I feel like they're all the same, no matter what your job is in. Obviously, 
you need to support yourself for compensation, a good package. Um, you know, you have to be there. So is what you're doing something that, you know, you enjoy doing, you know, five days a week. Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of disconnect despite having our needs and wants so similar. Right. Exactly. And it, once again, comes back to diversity and inclusion, because when you're looking at what you're giving your employees, what I want as a young female that has young children is going to be different than what my male peer that is two decades older than me wants. And it's yeah. about understanding, once again, understanding just how we understand how everyone wants to be recognized differently, communicates differently. Why do they show up to work mm-hmm. and understanding that reason? And when you're creating, your total rewards package, your benefits and your perks for your employees, you have to say, okay, maternity leave. Mm -hmm. It's not maternity leave. It should be parental leave Um, and making that inclusive for everybody. Uh, Creating this package that everyone can feel that they can take a piece of um, and that they can, you know, that it's theirs. And and you're right. It's not just about compensation. Compensation is a big part of it, but it sees other little pieces. My company is great. We have, you know, dog boarding for our employees that travel a lot. So like things like that, that you really have to, you have to know your staff and know, okay, we travel a lot. And a lot of our staff have pets. That's a huge cost for them to board them if they're gone for a week every month. So let's, let's add that to our total rewards package. And, And they love it. Our employees love that perk. So Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to get a job with you. <laughs> I have two dogs and that's, you know, su- been such a challenge of, you know, making sure they're with in a safe place because they're, they're a little rambunctious, you know, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so, you know, Oh God, that's brilliant. And that's the first time I've mm-hmm. ever heard of an organization offering something like that. That's so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our employees love it. And it's, it's, I think that's where HR and people professionals have a real just privilege to make change is because Mm -hmm. we can create things like that, right? We can, and it makes the company more attractive when you're going to recruit for more employees. You know, we listen to our staff. If they suggest something, if they ask for something, if it can't be delivered on, deliver on it. Um, Yeah. Once again, you're here. I'm here to support them. That's awesome. So let's dig in a little bit deeper into DE and I know we kind of just grazed it. Um, so I know that you uh, have a DE and I council that started um, in 2020. So tell me about that process. Yes. So we started our council. It was just four of us um, in 2020 and we have now doubled. Um, and so for a company our size sitting right under 50 employees, that's a big number of employees yeah. that are um, interested in it. So the fact that the council doubled just shows that there are people in the organization that are really, really want to be, they really want to be involved um, and part of it. Absolutely. And so, yes, we've doubled in three years for our size. That's huge. And it's just a great group of individuals that have a personal passion for diversity and inclusion and making a change in their community and now making a change internally in the company and in the industry, because that's been our focus. What can we do for our staff internally? But then how can we also go into the industry and make a change? Our industry, mm-hmm. the paper industry, you know, our company ourselves is a 
hundred plus year old company. So the industry has some age to it. And, mm-hmm. and how can we educate our peers in the industry to grow their diversity and inclusion knowledge and really understand the need for it in a company setting? But our DEI council, I can't talk about them enough. They're even if we don't have any action items out of a meeting, it's just great to have that conversation with them. They're such a passionate group of people. I love working with them. And it's 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 great to have that outline a company. I hope that every company has something like that. because uh, yeah. it's really necessary, these change makers in within an organization. So one common thread throughout our conversation is how diversity, equity, and inclusion looks different depending on the situation you're in, the industry, the organization. So how does diversity, equity, and inclusion look in your organization? So it is. it starts from the top down with us, um, our mm-hmm. leadership team, uh, making sure that our leadership team is a great group of diverse people, especially in a small organization where our leadership is so in front of our staff. Um, Mm -hmm. But also for our organization, when we host trade shows and conferences and we're in massive amounts of people on a daily basis in front of our members, we have to make sure at our conferences, our speakers are diverse. It's not just male speakers. Um, It's female speakers. It's speakers from around the world, honestly, that we look at to come into our conferences from different backgrounds and age groups and in our conferences, making sure that they're all accessible to people. Um, we, until 2020, everything was in person. And I yeah. think during the pandemic, people really embraced that virtual aspect and then it kind of went away. Um, but we've really kept that on as a piece because, you know, maybe for someone with a disability, it's hard to travel or yeah. a working parent. They can't find childcare, and it's much easier to have that vir- virtual piece versus taking four days away from their home. Lisa, this has been a great conversation, and you've brought up so many little details and facets of diversity, equity, inclusion that I think a lot of people don't really think about. Um, so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Lisa Clement Sherm CP. You can find me if you're in Atlanta or not in Atlanta. I would love to connect, talk more about DEI, HR, and people operations, and just connect and keep the conversation going. Well, if you or anyone you know is like Lisa who leads with empathy, email me, Lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.